This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Or indeed, Simon Rose and Steve Kaplan. Take your pick. But you've got two of us. No, no, no. I was going to say for the price of one, but as you're paying nothing to listen to this, really, it's a bargain. <laughs> it is so what are we going to begin with today? Well, back in 1913, oh, Henry, I remember it well. Ford, Henry Ford uh, uh, launched the world's first production line, as mm. everyone knows. Although, actually, he didn't. It was a chap called William Clan who worked for him, who visited a Chicago slaughterhouse... Hmm. where he saw what he called a disassembly line. Uh, and, right. and he thought, we could use this as an assembly line. And he talked uh, Ford into it, and then Ford did it. And the way that it was done is that they would start by building a car body, putting the doors on, painting it, then they remove the doors, and then they fit the seats, and then they fit the engine, and then they put everything hmm. else in from underneath. And that's the way that cars are still built today. Hmm. The Tesla Model Y was built rather differently because the battery casing is the structural floor, a floor of the car. So everything is built on top of that. Mm. And then the seats are, are built on top of that as well. And Tesla have a new system with, where the, whereby the exterior of the car will be added last. Yes. And the advantage of that is, firstly, that it means that people building the interior don't have to lean through the door holes in order to do it. Mm. And it also means that many more people can work on the car at the same time, rather than those who can just get right. yeah, access yeah. to the hatches. They say that this will halve the manufacturing cost. I'm amazed there are still cars. people assembling these things rather than robots. There are still people assembling mm. these things, yes. Which is presumably why... In a story I read the other day, a couple of drivers in the United States of Tesla car discovered that somebody had forgotten to put the nut on the steering wheel, and the steering wheel yes. came off in their hands. Yes. Um, which is a bit of a minor inconvenience when you're <laughs> driving. It is. It is indeed. Yes. But at least that was the fault of real people and not robots. Well, that's true, though I suspect robots don't get as grumpy if you admonish them for forgetting things. Can you admonish well, a robot? I don't know. Do that. Give it yes. a slight electric shock, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, I have seen articles saying that one of the worries Tesla have got now that the Chinese are really ramping up electric car production is that um, they might find it hard to actually increase production enough to compete with the Chinese. Of course, we'll be doing it in incredibly large numbers. Yes. Yes, uh, indeed. Because Tesla has been something of a, of a sort of niche product for very wealthy people. For a while, hasn't it? Well, the cars are not that expensive. The Model Y is now. <laughs> we live in different worlds, Steve. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. It's now compared to the other new cars. Mm. It's about forty odd thousand for a yes. a new Tesla Model Y. Well, so they've actually pay... cut the price twice this year, haven't they? I think they just yeah. announced another price cut. Yes. I'm sure you'd pay a lot more than that for top of the range Mercedes or BMW. Not yes, to mention, you know, the Rolls Royce and all the, the Ferraris of this world. Yes, mm. yes. 
And those, of course, don't have the fart button where you can produce a, a fart noise, not only from any seat that you want, but with a selection of 12 different fart noises. What? The Teslas uh, have? Have we discussed this? Yes, I don't remember we this. We have discussed this. I'm, well, I compl- I, I, I'm very surprised that I've forgotten this because you would have thought that would be something <laughs> that would stick. So tell me again, just to remind me, you have a well, button that can produce a fart noise from one of the seats. Yes, you can choose which seat. Yes, and you can choose what noise you want. Wow. That would distract well, me from driving. Is, I'd be spending my whole time trying to choose. If you drive a Tesla, you will be spending quite a lot of your time sitting in a charging station for an hour waiting for it to charge up. So they have to give you toys you can play with while you're waiting. Oh, I see. Oh, this is not for while you're driving. You can use it while you're oh, driving. Okay. Yeah. Suddenly I want a Tesla. I, I, no stage <laughs> in the past have I thought that I wanted uh, one. Now I now desperately want one. Yes, Absolutely. My grandfather anyway, used to run a, a joke shop. I used to love the little things that would make fart noises when you pressed Did them. you? Whoopee yeah. cushions. Yes, whoopee cushions. Yes. Do they still exist? I'm sure they do. They're probably all techno Why would they now. stop making them? Because they're not techno enough. They're not techno enough. But Tesla are also making robots. As we know, back in October, we looked at the demo of the new Optimus. Mm-hmm which was their latest robot, which had to be wheeled on stage because it couldn't walk at that point, yes. at which point it sort of waved, and then it was wheeled off again, a bit, a bit like a mechanical monarch. Yes, we did wonder why they'd held the press conference, because, frankly, that didn't seem terribly exciting. Well, they're not very good at press conferences, it has to be said. They've just had their investor day, mm. where they showed film of two optimuses, which can now walk, although very slowly. Yes. They're nothing... Nothing compared to the the parkour robots that we've seen jumping and running around. Mm. And the video shows two Optimus robots building a third Optimus robot, which is Mm. quite scary when you think about it. The idea is robots can build themselves. And um, let's have a listen to Elon Musk describing what's special about the Optimus robot. The same AI that drives the car... Uh, which you can think of the car really as a robot on wheels, and this is a robot on legs. Um, So as we solve real-world AI, and I don't think there's there's anyone even close to Tesla on solving real-world AI, um, that same computer and software uh, goes into Optimus. He's no Steve Jobs, is he? No. I mean, no. really? I saw a report at the press point. conference, which apparently went on for an eternity. It was about four hours, yes. Yes, yes, I saw that. I mean, yes. that makes the Oscars look interesting in comparison. He, he is just so lacking in, in charisma. And he, someone needs to teach him how to speak in public, because when you, when you have to do that to a, a worldwide audience, you really need to do it a bit better than that. Well, anyway, It's odd, really, because he seems so good at taking advice from other people. <laughs> he just... He says that uh, robots will be a much bigger business than cars for Tesla. Hmm. But he says the cars are robots. He does. He says, that well, the cars are robots on wheels, yes, yes. which is, yes. Uh, I suppose, in a way they are. So you sort of have to wonder why he doesn't put the, ro- the actual robots on wheels. He'd probably find it easier <laughs> to move them around, <laughs> frankly. Than to move around. They should do it, yes. Why, uh, why would robots have legs, frankly? Well, Someone might forget to bolt the steering wheel on if they had wheels. Yeah, it seems very strange. Hmm. 
But a bad week for Musk. Not only have two Tesla owners, as you said, had their, their steering wheels come off, but remember back in December, we talked about the Neuralink. Mm-hmm. The Neuralink being yes, the yes. implantable computer. And in fact, way back in April 2001, we talked about them doing demos of monkeys with these implants playing Pong just with mind control. We were talking um, in 2001, 22 years ago. Sorry, I must I don't think so, somehow. I mean, I know it seems interminable um, that we've been doing Sorry. this, but I don't know. The engineer who missed out the steering wheel board also missed out the 20 in my, yes, in yeah, my yeah, script. Yeah, yeah, 2021. Right. And uh, Musk said that he'd be one of the first people to have the implant when they're available. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be available because the uh, United States Medical Registration Board people uh, denied the human trial, citing dozens of concerns about it. So it looks to me like it's not going to happen. Well, so we don't, we've got to worry about, about is Skynet rather than being implanted with chips. Exactly. Cool, that's one less concern to bother ourselves it about. Is. So we three can have one stories of about Elon Musk, and I haven't mentioned Twitter once. And that's Oh, damn, it just slipped out. <laughs> Here we go. Of course, the monkeys that have been employed with the chips, I mean, maybe, they, maybe they're maybe they going to be cleverer than humans now, and they'll take over from us. Maybe it's monkeys. Maybe it's it's Musk's monkeys we need to worry maybe about, it's Musk's monkeys. rather than the robots. Planet, Planet of the Apes, here we come. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. good gracious. Oh, it wasn't worth getting out of bed this morning. <laughs> Tesla, so Elon Musk, uh, as you said, he doesn't take advice easily, but he's great on giving advice, in particular when exploring caves, as you oh, remember. Yes, his, I do. Uh, his litigious uh, victim. And uh, what happens when you explore caves on somewhere like Mars? Well, you probably haven't done it. No. But it's easy to get lost in these caves. Well, I can imagine that would be the case, because as people haven't done it, there'll be no maps. Indeed. Well, the University of Arizona Mm. have developed or are developing a system for exploring caves on Mars. And it features a mother rover. Mm. And the mother rover drops smaller rovers at the entrance to the cave system. And then they head off in different directions. Now, the problem is they need to communicate with the mother rover because of all the rock. They can't do so. Hmm. So what do they do? What do you imagine you would do if you were exploring a maze of caves? How would you find your way out again? Ball of string. Ball of string. Well, ball of string if you like your Greek myths, or breadcrumbs if you're a Hansel and Gretel reader. Well, that's assuming, of course, there aren't creatures on Mars that like eating breadcrumbs. Well, they won't like these eating these breadcrumbs because these breadcrumbs are wireless communication nodes. So... What happens is these uh, smaller rovers go off into the distance. Every time they feel the signal getting weak, they mm. drop another communication node. It's a right. bit like sort of pooing the Wi-Fi ext- go Yes, along. or Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi extenders. Yes, I, Wi-Fi extenders. Yep. And then they can communicate with the with the mother rover. And the smaller rovers, they're expendable. They keep going until either they run out of breadcrumbs. Or until their batteries run out. Oh, I'm slightly disappointed. I thought I thought they were going to have even smaller rovers that they could, you know, when they came to a junction, they drop a couple of other smaller rovers. Wouldn't that be lovely? It'd be sweet, yes. ever smaller yes. and smaller. Oh well, that's ever smaller and smaller. Well, that's intriguing. 
I mean, there's what they hope to find in the caves. Probably some submarine that Elon Musk sent to help. Yes, I expect so. Or yeah. maybe the remains of earlier rovers that have been abandoned there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Or, or monkeys playing poker, waiting for somebody to come and rescue them. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and well, talking of exploring caves, have you ever had an endoscopy? Uh, no, I've had one on the other end. I'm told oh, endoscopies okay. aren't very nice. They're not very nice. I had an endoscopy. Ooh. And, and the guy showed me the stick he was going to insert, 80 centimetres long. That's Yuck. getting on for a yard long. I said, you must be joking. I may have used a few expletives in there. <laughs> he said, no, 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 it's all right. It's flexible. And indeed it was flexible. But it's <laughs> not terribly comfortable. Have, I have to admit it's not very comfortable. Well, uh, a hospital in Boston have teamed up with MIT and Caltech to produce mm. the iMag. <laughs> right. Yes. The iMag is an, a short for the ingestible micro device for the anatomical mapping of the GI tract. I think they missed out all the words that would put in with a useful acronym and end up with iMag. So the problem is there are already smart pills that you can mm. swallow, pill cams that show the interior of your gastrointestinal tract as they work their way through it. Yes. But what you don't know is where they actually they are, because they're little they're little micro satnavs. Right. Well, the iMag does, and it has magnetic coils that are fixed onto the patient's back. And they could also be in a backpack, or they could be on the back of a loose seat, so they can monitor them all yes. the time. And it, that allows the uh, the iMag to tell a nearby machine exactly where it is and to effectively build a 3D model of your gastrointestinal tract at the same time showing on the camera what's down there. Very oh, clever. Right. And then what happens when it's done? Is it on a piece of string and they haul it back out again? Uh, or a string of breadcrumbs. No, I, I imagine it works its way out... Oh, actually, oh, right. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, they've, okay. they've experimented on pigs, and none of the pigs have raised complaints. So obviously, it's going to work on people as well. Right. Well, how very clever and deeply unpleasant. And I hope I never. unpleasant as having an endoscopy. I can tell you. Well, okay, I'll believe that. Well, you next time they ask you to have one, ask if you can take the the iMag instead. Indeed, I will say that. Yes, please do. You, please do. I tell will. them I said you should ask. Right, uh, we will take a brief break. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armour All. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Brief break, I said. Brief break it was. You're listening to Gadget and Gizmos on Share Radio with Simon Rose and Steve Kaplan. Where now? Uh, well, we're still going deep inside the human body. Mm. 3D bioprinting. Well, the way it works at the moment, that, that you can 3D print things like cardiac or gastrointestinal patches. 
mm-hmm. uh, for people who got you know, holes in them or other defects, but they then still had to be fitted because they have to open people up in order to put these things in place. Well, according to the University of New South Wales, by which I mean the other side of the world, not the kind of South Wales that you're used to. Yes, that's the old South Wales. That's the old South Wales. Yes. They can uh, they can be surgically implanted via a robotic arm that in, that's inserted into your body like an endoscope, I'm afraid. So it's back to endoscopes <laughs> again. But once in there, yes. it will 3D print what is required in place. Isn't that clever? 3D printing oh, inside. As they your would body. say in the old South Wales, there's clever. There's yes. clever indeed. I don't think I said that in New South Wales. I don't know what the equivalent is. No, no idea. I have to find a tame Australian and ask them. So that could be a good thing. Yes, which well, sounds like an incredibly good thing. It does, yes. Still all although going having down done your a lot throat. of 3D printing myself, I know that when they go wrong, and they go wrong quite often, you end up with a large tangle of spaghetti. And I'm not sure that would be a good thing inside your body, but maybe they maybe they won't go wrong. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> <they> <laughs> it's nothing ever goes wrong. Yes, that um, yes. Of course, there are many operations where where well, not many, but rather too many operations where things get left inside people. You wouldn't really want a 3D bioprinter stuck inside you, would you? Oh, I don't know. You could print all kinds of things. You could print yourself, well, you know, extra yes, limbs. But, well, yeah, but yeah, but inside you, nobody could see what was going on. You'd suddenly, you'd suddenly, people would think you were being sick, and out comes another limb. Yes. Oh, oh that would be embarrassing. <laughs> it would. It would. It would. Let's move on. Hopefully, something less yes. medical. Yes, something less medical. Let's move on to our crowdfunding time of the week. Fanfare, In please. In that case, here we go. Now, you know how tiring it is to run up a mountainside. Well, well I've known him for a while, but yes, I've uh, tried in the past, yes. Did you? Walking. I don't think I've ever run up yes. a mountainside. Well, even walking yeah. up a mountainside, exactly. Yes. Well, the hypershell could be the answer to that, if you believe what they say on Kickstarter. It is an exoskeleton. Now, the word exoskeleton makes you think of something vast and cumbersome, but this is actually quite small and still fairly cumbersome. Hmm. It's a belt that straps around your waist. Coming from the back of the belt are two carbon fibre limbs that Mm. then strap onto your thighs and that give you one horsepower of extra power on a 25-kilometre range, which is quite good, really. But I don't know what one horsepower corresponds to when it comes to the human body. Well, it's roughly the power generated by a horse. I suppose it would be, which is probably more than the power we have to begin with. It is significantly yes. more than the power we have to, to begin with. And uh, it's made by a company called Hypershell, and they describe themselves as a group of cybernetics fanatics and wilderness wanderers committed to democratising cutting-edge exoskeleton technologies for everyone to empower their everyday life. That's easy for them to say. It is easy for them to say. Curious, isn't it? Um, uh, they yeah. also suggest that you could use it on shopping trips or visiting museums to, to save your legs, although... The idea of visiting museums with an exoskeleton strapped around well, your... I could try that. I'm going to the British Museum next week. For some reason, I'm looking after my grandson, who's only one year old. All the children are one or two, and they think a trip to the British Museum is a good idea for the playgroup. I can't really understand quite what one- and two-year-olds are going to get out of the British Museum, frankly, but we'll just see. I'd have thought almost nothing. It is the uh, least child-friendly absolutely. museum I know. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's where they're going, so I'm tagging well, along. 
They will do. But then I haven't been for quite a while. I'll, I'll probably find it useful. I haven't been for a little while. But I'm perplexed about this because the sort of people who run or walk up mountains are by and large the people who are doing it for exercise. If you've got an exoskeleton helping you, you're presumably exercising less, so you'll get well, less yes, benefit. Well, yes, I think so. But they can run even further anyway. Anyway, it and, if it, and if it pushes you coming down, the chances are you'll fall over. Yes, because running downhill, which I have done, is yes. terrifying. Yes. Because you go very fast and the ground is dropping away from you with each step. Yes, and might be un une uneven. It, it does, seems, mm. does seem very peculiar. And presumably it's a complete snip. Well, £422, mm. or thereabouts. If that's too much, you can get a half-horsepower version for a mere £311. Anyway, you have until the 6th of April to decide if you want one of these. I suspect you don't want one of these. If they if they have something strapping around your waist with two pins to prod in the back of your leg, that would probably get you going up a mountain quite fast. It would. Or just someone prodding you from behind. Yes. The equivalent of the man with a red flag going out of yes, your car. Yes, absolutely. They haven't thought this through. No, they really They're haven't. They're a group of cybernetics fanatics and wilderness wanderers who haven't really thought... And have lots of people put their money down. Um, enough people to put money down to look like make it look like it's actually going to happen. Oh, yes. Okay. Right. Which is well, really quite surprising. Yes, but then that's partly because you've no wish to climb any mountains. No, I mean climbing every mountain. You know, and fording every stream. Yeah, yeah. As far as I go yes. with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where now? Well, let's go to the River Lee in Poplar in East London, mm -hmm. just outside East London, and have a look at the Cody Dock Rolling Bridge, because this is a footbridge over the river. Mm -hmm. And because they are regenerating the area, they want to allow boats to come up and down the river. Right. The problem is, how do the boats get past a footbridge? Well, this is the most ingenious design for a footbridge I think I've ever seen. It consists of a... Imagine a square frame roughly five meters high i'm guessing at the height it's not specified anywhere but looking mm. at standing people standing on it it gets a, a, around five meters mm. can you visualize that yeah so a square frame and between the, and it has rounded corners and there's one of these on each end of the bridge on each side of the of the river going between it is the footbridge right when you want to have a uh, a boat going down, the whole bridge rolls to the side so that the bit that was at the bottom is now at the top, allowing boats to go underneath it. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, you mean, so essentially it's moving the moving the, the actual bridge much higher? No, it's rolling it over. Oh, it rolls okay. No, I'm so going to have to go and look at that. That's the only thing I quite understand. I wonder if I could describe it in a better way. Imagine a square... Box. All right. Well, where section, where, am I, where is it square from looking at, from looking at the river or from being in the river? Well, I'm trying to think. Okay. Uh, imagine are you a pedestrian a, or you're a boatist? Imagine boatist. you have What's a boatist? box of cars water biscuits. Yes. Yep. You know what those yes. boxes look like? They're I know exactly section. what they look like. Yes. And you cut off three sides. Right. Yep. You also cut holes in the ends so you can get in. So you've got two square uh, frames yes. with the footbridge going between them. Yes, yes, I can sense that. As you roll it over, the bit that was at the bottom yes. goes first on the side and yes. then on the top. Yes. So there's a big gap for the boats to get through underneath. 
Well, that's what I that's what I imagined it was like. Yes, okay. That's that's fine. Yes, yes. Uh, here's the really clever part: it's rolled over by hand because they have this most ingenious track that is an sort of ellipsoidal shape, mm. and as you turn it, they have weighted the top of the uh, square ends. Mm to match the weight of the bridge. So you just turn a crank and it rolls over. It takes about 20 minutes to do the whole thing. Rolls over to the side, boat's gone, and then you can roll right. it back again. So they want you to encourage boats. So you're mm. on a boat. This bridge is in the way. You have to moor the boat. Very difficult if you're one person. You get off the boat, crank this thing, which takes 20 minutes, go through after unmooring the boat, uh, stop, moor up the other side, and put the bridge back again another 20 minutes. I don't think they're going to get many I people doing can... it. I can tell you've never been through a hand-operated lock, which is a very similar process. Well, locks are fun. I suppose this might locks be. Locks are fun. I, this bridge is more fun <laughs> than any lock. <laughs> we'll see. So I remember the Millennium um, footbridge in um, Newcastle. Uh, I mean, that does use electricity, but apparently an absolutely tiny bit because it is weighted so cleverly that it needs very, very little to get the um, the footbridge to to raise but sadly we're out of time mainly because i couldn't quite visualize what you meant but luckily cars water biscuits came to the rescue they did so thank <laughs> you steve kaplan that's been this edition of oh. gadgets and... oh yes go on i should, should just say that other brands of water biscuits are available oh yes we're not the bbc we don't have to say that oh no that's okay that's it for Gadgets and Gizmos from Steve Kaplan and myself Simon Rose we'll be back with more of the well it won't be more of the same if it was more of the same there'd be no point in um, in actually bothering to record it no it'll be more of lots of the different (laughs) the same time next week bye for now is it a gadget is it a gizmo no it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose